everyone, and welcome to Off the Post without Joe. Uh, this is Mike, which is why the... It's funny, I gave Joe so much shit for doing a bad job of uh, hosting the podcast. Um, whenever I have to step into his shoes, I find them to not only be wet because he is an alarming amount of foot sweat, uh, but also uh, not easy to host a podcast, especially when you're an awkward turtle like I am. Anyway... I have not only Matt Falkenberry, my friend who joined me for the flagship show, but also Tom. Tom Rich Jr. from Blue Shirt Banner has joined us for Off the Post, so hi, Tom. Hi, Mike. Uh, how's it going? Good. You haven't met Matt, but you just introduced yourselves to each other like uh, like grown-up gentlemen do uh, before the show. Matt, welcome back. You were just here, but the people don't really know that. Well, you know, maybe they'll listen to this show first. You never know. In a, in a really, it, it's one of those things where I don't think people will believe it, but when Matt and I were talking before the flagship show, I was just telling him, like, yeah, I'm going to grab a beer and a couple of room temperature mozzarella sticks. He said, oh, I'm having mozzarella sticks too. And I said, oh, that's fun. I said, I had chicken parm pizza and mozzarella sticks for dinner. And Matt had the same goddamn thing. Right down to the, t- right down to the mozzarella sticks, the same exact dinner, almost... It's scary. It's scary delicious is what his goddamn is. Uh, so what I forgot to read the patrons for the flagship show. Um, and that's a bad thing that I did. I feel bad about it. Um, I'm sure if you're a patron, you probably feel bad that I, that I forgot to do it. But again, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just a young pup uh, learning. So I'm going to read the patrons now so I don't forget because I don't trust myself. Uh, our patrons, Trevor Kempner, Tory from Manhattan... Thomas Osa, Tall Guy Rob, Stink Fleeman, Mike Offit, Michael Silvers, Michael Alsante, Keith Franchillo, Joshua Zarkin, Jordan Sassone, Johnny Alo, James Dang- Dangles, Igor Zaslavsky, Gabriel Vargas, Fancy Lawrence, Eric Carlson, David Elsinger, Danny Santiago, Dan Crozy, Craig Lachlan, Chris O'Connor, Chris Habibi, Bob Kawa, Beezer, Arch Williams, Andy from New Jersey, Andre Chicagov, Alex Nemzubalev, Aiden Gaspar, and Adam Nohowek. I definitely got some of those names wrong, but you know what? I tried I tried for you, for you nice people. Uh, we're going to start our Q&A section, which is what Off the Post is about. I gave Matt the little rundown. And we're going to start with a question that I think kind of goes without saying. Um, but, and I, I know actually Joe, well, Joe can't be here, but he actually responded to this person um, on Twitter. Uh, and he just said no, uh, which is not very nice of Joe to just be so blunt with someone who probably listens to the show and supports the uh, the website. But uh, the question comes from Michael Canick. His question, so we'll, we'll have Tom answer first, then Matt, and then I'll wrap up and uh, just steal their best ideas. Tom, Michael wants to know, Carp dropped a nugget about offer sheeting Braden Point and then said in the comments it wasn't just him speculating. Would you support this? Is Braden Point worth four firsts? It's tough to answer right now. My initial gut reaction is no, but if um, something were to happen where they find out that Panarin's not going to be a real option, then you think about it. But it's much easier to work out something via trade than to burn um, four draft picks, which would for another center when the Rangers already have so many centers. And then you're moving Zibanejad to the number two. So uh, it wouldn't be something that I would do, personally. 
Matt, is is Braden Point worth four first round picks? Braden Point is not worth four first round picks, and you wonder just how good he would be outside of that team in Tampa. Um, we've learned about Vlad Nemestikov a little bit. By the way, Mike, another guy in the AHL I saw a lot of. Um, I should have mentioned that, actually, but um, from the other show. But um, So that's always scary, because you're asking Braden Point to, one, come to New York, different than Tampa Bay. Two, you have got the pressure of being worth four first-round picks, plus the contract that had to be so lucrative that yeah. Tampa Bay decides not to match, right? So... You got that on top of you. Plus, as Tom mentioned, you got to be the number one center, and you're bumping a fan favorite from number one, who's played really well. And Mika Zibanejad down to number two. It's not a terrible problem to have if you're a Ranger fan, but there's so much pressure on Braden Point. There's a lot that goes into it. It's just, it's almost unfair to him to do that. Um, it's just, it's just so steep. Four first round picks uh, is just way too much. Um, quite frankly, would you trade him? Would you trade for him and trade four four first round picks? Without having give me, technically have to give him the contract right off the bat, I don't think anybody would then either. So I think that's a little tough. I, they need they need scoring wingers more so technically than they need centers uh, when it comes to trading for first round picks. So that, that I'd have to say no. And boy, just think about it. I mean, if you give it to Marner or any of those guys, wow, that is just they better they better be an MVP in their first year or their second year. They got to win the Hart Trophy. That's a, they got to win a cup. To almost make it worth your while, in in a sense, because the pressure's going to be intense. It's going to be crazy. I'm on Team Chaos. I say you don't do it to point, but you really consider it for Mitch Marner just to, just to do it, just to put the put the the innocent the innocent person on the the altar of sacrifice during during the full moon and and let their blood spill and then just see what happens. Just just bring out the worst. And everyone, and, and just make free agency fun. I mean, it would be terrible if it goes wrong. Don't get me wrong, but Mitch Marner, I I, I do think about it. Uh, Braden Point, no. Tommy wanted a point, raise a point. To sort of pick about sacrificing virgins on a uh, on an Aztecian shrine. To piggyback off of your team chaos, if the Rangers wanted to be, um, you know, they want to try and leverage Toronto. You put out the threat of an offer sheet for Marner to sort of scare them, or even to the potential that he does sign it. Then you try and say, "Well, you do have that William Nylander fella that we kind of like as well, so maybe we could come to an arrangement before we, you know, send a poison pill offer sheet your way and work out something that way." Yeah, but do you trust William Nylander in New York with how often he'll jump on Henrik Lundqvist? That's the real question. Uh, moving on to our next question. Just for fun, if the Rangers were picking third overall in the draft, who would you want to take and why? Tom, who are you taking at third overall if in a crazy world the Rangers miraculously traded up to the third overall pick? So this is in addition to they're picking at number two overall, and then they're in a, yeah. I, I'm going yeah. I'm going to amend the comment and say either yeah. Let's say yeah, because it is a, it is a different it is a very different question. If like let's say they got the third overall instead of number two overall, right? So let's just say in this scenario, it's the Rangers also get the third overall pick. So if the Rangers already have the number two pick. 
They yeah. pick either Jack Hughes or Capo Caco. With number three overall, I would actually be one of the teams that would consider drafting uh, Vasily Podkolzin, number three overall. Uh, he's Ooh, just, you take two forwards, do you? Yeah, because I'm of the mindset that there's so much skill there, and they sort of have the time to wait for him to stay overseas, and that would actually be to the Rangers' benefit because it would allow them to have some of their own forwards work things out. So it's almost like, all right, we're going to deal with what we have now, and then we have this great player, or great asset rather, coming once they're in sort of that window of contention. Hmm. Just so folks know, if Tom's mic cut out there, we apologize, but uh, Gremlins, it it wasn't me or Tom. It wasn't Tom or my fault. Me and Tom. Tom and me. Uh, Matt, if if the Rangers third overall, who would you take? Uh, see, I don't know much. About, see, let's let's just put our cards on the table, right? I don't yeah. know much about prospects. I read uh, the draft rankings as much as anyone and try to figure it out. Um, so uh, to go off the board, uh, you take the number three pick and you trade it for the best scoring forward that is out on the market, or you go get a big time top four defensemen, I think that if you had number two and number three, and that's how you're amending it, right? I, I kind of think the question really is if they had ended up with three instead of not two, which then it, you don't trade the pick, then you have to take, you know, I would agree with Tom, you take the, the Russian kid. I mean, he seems to be the number three choice. And again, not, you know, Mr. Prospect here by any stretch. But if they had two and three, to me, you take three and you trade it and you try to get a, you, you try to further the rebuild quickly because you're technically already doing that with number two with Kako. So actually, I am going to technically punt the question on the prospect side of it and say you trade it for a big time player. And in case folks are wondering, uh, that is Matt's dog, Boomer, panting happily. Um, I think that, that is the third dog to join our podcast. We had Joe Stanley and Shane Azuki and now. Uh, got boomer on the show as well so some happy doggo sounds are also always welcome i would go bone byram um just generally i think he's probably the best defenseman in the draft there are a couple other d that i've kind of fallen in love with um looking later in the draft especially around who might fall at 20 um you know i've talked about york already on the show and how much i like him and how much i like his potential um byram i know adam just wrote uh his prospect rankings for banter about him and um, I read over that piece and watched some of the video that Adam put together, and there are a lot of things I like about his game. He is very, very high risk in terms of how he plays. Like he does, he, he'll make some decisions where you're like, oh boy, he is just all about just when he when he wants to think, you know, in an offensive mindset, he gets you know like a one track mind. But I I don't think it's a huge problem in terms of you know him being a player who will hurt you he's going to have to adjust at the nhl level he's going to have to learn to be a more complete player but whoever gets bow and byram is going to get a great player um third overall and you know if that's chicago taking him at third and you know i think that'll be a good pick but you know before you know i can't i can't i can't disagree with pot colson tom i i like that pick too and you know for the rangers to come away with another you know really kind of compelling young Russian winger would be just it would be a lot of goddamn fun to, to, to be frank but uh, our next question um, is it's it's uh, it's definitely going to cause some strong feelings but it is what it is it's 
Do the Rangers have a Henrik Lundqvist problem? What if you trade Georgiev and Igor doesn't pan out? Hank isn't getting younger. Georgiev is 23 and has at worst proven to be a backup. You have too much risk with Igor's out clause. It's either trade Georgiev or stick him in the AHL. Tom, do the Rangers find themselves with a Henrik Lundqvist problem? I don't think that they do. Because even in this scenario where um, Gorgiev's in the AHL and Igor doesn't pan out, you still have Adam Huska, you still have Tyler Wall, two prospects that I think people have somewhat forgot about. And I think if you've seen in this league, you can have some really good teams and just sort of find goaltending. So I don't think it's so much of an issue because the Rangers are going about building the rest of their team the right way. Um, you see it with what they're going to look to do at forward, at number two overall, You some of the picks they've made on defense. So I don't really think it's that much of a problem. And if it got to a point where they needed to make a decision, they have more than enough time in the context of the rebuild to solve that issue. Matt? Henrik Lundqvist, the problem? Uh, Henrik Lundqvist is my all-time favorite player in all sports. Um, so you got to take this with a bit of a grain of salt. Uh, but quite frankly, Benoit Lair is still the goalie coach. The day Benoit Lair is not the goalie coach, I will be frightened to death about who the Rangers are coming, coming and going in net. Benoit Lair has got the devil magic. He can turn any goalie into a great goalie. Alexander Georgiev was not even drafted. He was a guy that no one really knew about. At least I certainly didn't know much about. Again, not a prospect guy by any stretch of the imagination. And he turned him into a trade bait. Cam Talbot was a guy that, you know, was in the AHL, you know, played okay, but turned him into a good enough goaltender that he was being, he was traded to Edmonton. He went to Edmonton and Edmonton has the, devil's devil's magic and turned him back into a pumpkin now he's with philadelphia literally dressed as a pumpkin so basically ah. as long as the Poor new york problem. rangers employ the man named benoit lair they will never have a goalie problem in terms but in reality i think with lundquist um let's get a better defense in front of him and and let him and, and don't don't overwork him early in the season and uh i think um quite frankly uh the russian kid has got a lot of the same kind of traits as Lundqvist did when Lundqvist was in the Swedish Elite League playing with the pros. Uh, during the lockout, he won MVP. He had great numbers, and it translated. For some reason, I, I want to believe that what Shostorkin has done in Russia, in the KHL, with the crazy numbers he has playing against guys who are definitely you know, NHL you know, adjacent players or caliber players yeah. can translate. So I'm hoping that's the case, but as long as Benoit Lair is a goalie coach, the Rangers will never, ever, 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 ever have a goalie problem. That is that is a great... I think you both... Like, I don't have much to say because you guys kind of covered everything. I, I didn't even think about bringing up uh, Benoit Lair, but really that is that is a big part of the story. And You and I on the flagship, Matt, we talked about, you know, how John Davidson just has to make sure he creates a good scenario and we talked about uh patrick swayze and demi moore and and, and you know clay and the clay wheel but so long as benoit lair has some young goalies with talent to work with there's not a lot to worry about right it's just between chesterkin and Georgiev, and as you know as tom mentioned there's also huska i know huska had uh, kind of a, a down year 
in uh, in the NCAA before he signed with Hartford, and then his numbers in Hartford weren't very good. But again, Hartford was just a a sinking ship of a of a hockey team this season. So I'm not going to judge Huska too harshly on on you know the brief tenure he had in Hartford after signing his first pro contract, and uh, there's also uh, Wall, and you know there's a lot there's a lot of things to be curious about and you know well down the road he's he's nowhere near ready is Olaf Lindbaum as well the the second round pick from from last year's draft which is uh the bane of uh, Joseph and my in my existence but I definitely agree with with both of your take on that I just the other thing to me is just like uh this upcoming season is the second to last on Henrik Lundqvist's contract yeah if if in the unlikely event that he becomes a quote-unquote problem He's a problem that solves itself in a relative hurry, um, much in the way that, thankfully, that is what will happen with Mark Stahl and Brendan Smith. Um, you know, I, I still think it might be in the Rangers' best interest to buy one of those guys out, especially just because you have to create room on the blue line. But we talked about that a bit on the flagship show. But Henrik Lundqvist is not that level of a problem. He is just a guy who... You know, he's not the same player he was six, seven years ago. We all know that. But he's not a bad goaltender. Um, and he's not getting younger. But if you reduce his workload, like Matt is saying, if you don't burn him out, like even we saw Quinn to some extent do, he really leaned on Lundqvist a lot, and maybe a lot more than we thought he would. Um, and they're really the first, third, and the fourth of the year. And, you know, if it's more of a timeshare and if it's more of a Hank gets two-thirds of the game and, and you know, Shostorkin gets one-third or Georgiev gets one-third or whatever the, whatever, you know, however things play out, it, they'll play out that way. But I don't think Henrik Lundqvist is the problem here. Um, moving on to our next question, more of a more of a silly one, Tom. It's, which currently signed Ranger would make the best wingman? Keep in mind, your wingman should be someone who doesn't take all the attention for himself. So if you're going into a bar, Tom, you see an attractive person, and you and you wish to, you wish to have someone be your your herald, you wish to, wish to trumpet you and, and announce you to the room. Who who do you want that to be? Who do you want to be your wingman on this Rangers roster? It's a tough question, for sure. I'm just trying to think of the ages of players on the roster and their personalities. Um, I would say, I'm just going to go out there and say Mika Zibanejad because he is a very, you know, attractive man. He does the whole DJing thing and very suave. But Just released a new he, song. He did. Um, but the way he comes across when he's interviewed, he's sort of very humble, very team first and I, I I think he'd be the type of person that you know he'd be chatting someone up and they'd be complimenting him be like oh you know you know, thank you for that but you know who you really should be talking to is you know my friend over there and you know just tons of compliments and sort of you know dish it over and uh, I'm going to go with Zabanjad Matt who's your wingman well, first of all, if I end up having a wingman, uh, don't tell my wife. Uh, secondly, uh, if I had to pick uh, a player on the Rangers to be my wingman, uh, it'd have to be uh, Tony D'Angelo. No, I'm just kidding. You've got to be absolutely out of your mind. Uh, no, Jesper Faust. Because Jesper Faust is the kind of guy who 
really likes to, you know, he, he's such a hard worker that he will really, I think if he's trying to convince a young lady or young gentleman to go on a date with a friend, uh, he's really going to work hard and, and ask the right questions. You know, he's been the player's player for four straight years and in the dating world you've got to be you got to be a little bit of a player so if you're a player's player um, for four straight years you know you know what i'm getting at plus really in at, at the end of the day me and tom you mike anybody who's out there in the dating world quite frankly the the true advice is at the end of the day you need to know someone who's swedish because the swedes are what they are they're very sweet oh good lord matt just you just went for everything. Every fruit that was anywhere close to the ground, you went for. Uh, I'm going to go with Henrik Lundqvist, because I don't see him as a problem. Another Swede, see? Yeah. See, but you stepped on my joke. I had the whole... I was doing a callback, and you, you ruined it. Um, yeah, I would go with Hank. Also, because, honestly, before you have a wingman, you need to learn to love yourself. And, honestly... Being around Henrik Lundqvist would make me just appreciate everything in life. It would probably make me feel like some sort of ogre. But, uh, you know, I'd learn to love myself eventually. Anyway. Plus, he'd give you a really great pep talk if you were down on yourself before you went and talked to the lady or gentleman. Yeah, it's true. Um, hey, Joe and Mike. Uh, Joe's not here, but this person had good intentions. Panera win 2020. With the Rangers announcing JD as the new president, what is his take on utilizing analytics? Haven't heard much other than Columbus didn't have an analytics department. Tom? Do you know anything about JD knowing things about analytics or caring about analytics? So there was an article that I had shared the other day um, that was written uh, by Allison Lucan over at The Athletic. The wonderful Allison Lucan. Yes. I believe it was from, uh, it was either late, I think it was late 2017. Yeah, I think you're right. It was late 2017. And it was basically talking, I, I don't have the, the person's name, but it was someone on the Blue Jackets that basically their job was sort of compiling these sheets on a game-to-game -game basis. And within the article, it mentioned how they used resources like Natural Stat Trick, they had used things like Sports Logic. Corsica, yeah. Yeah, basically these data sites and, and tracking information to sort of give the coaching staff more of a a uh, better way of, of analyzing things. So um, I don't know what JD personally thinks about them, uh, but it's something that I'm, I'm trying to look into, trying to scour as I'm sort of working on a story, looking more now that JD's been hired, you know, what some of the things that he's going to tackle head on as president. But if I had to make a guess, I would think like uh, the majority of teams out there they've real they realize that analytics are are a tool that has some value um but i i'm not exactly sure you know what sort of side of uh he sort of is, is toward more it's more or against matt do you have any uh take on this uh well i think I, you know the thing about jd that i noticed this especially with columbus and we talked about it on the other show was he kind of lets a GM do his thing, so I think the question really should be less about JD's preference for analytics and more so about what Jeff Gordon is doing. Like, I just don't see John Davidson coming in here and blowing up the rebuild from the sense of, okay, you guys have done it this way for a while. Now I'm coming in. I'm changing 
everything, right? So I just he doesn't come off that way. He didn't, really didn't. It didn't come off that way in Columbus again. Um, he had an outside the box hire too at the time, so he, obviously he's willing to think beyond the parameters that the normal NHL kind of has trained us to uh, think about. So I, I just think that. You know, I don't know much about his analytics background or whether he had one. Obviously, Tom mentions the article and the things that they use, which is readily available to all teams and all the fans as well. And I don't think they're going above and beyond. They're not money ball or money puck or whatever. So uh, they weren't in Columbus. Uh, but uh, I, I just think it's more about... I think the real question should be, will John Davidson come in and want to blow up what Jeff Gordon's done in terms of the, the the trajectory of the plan, or will he let him do his thing? And based upon everything we've saw, both in St. Louis and in Columbus, I don't think he's going to do that. So if that involves analytics, great. If it doesn't, it, it can be frustrating. And I know that Blue Shirts banter is big on the analytics, which is absolutely perfectly fine. I, you know, as my friend always says, you got to have the puck to score. So if you don't control it, you don't, you're not going to score any goals, right? So... Uh, I, I just think it's more about the periphery of things that John Davidson can do as president. I, I just don't see him coming in and and, and being hands-on from the sense of trying to put his foot down on things. I think he's just coming yeah. in to steady a ship. So, like Tom, you know, I think, and Matt mentioned this about the outside-the-box hire with Jarmo Kekalainen, who's the first European uh, general manager. Um, and looking at Kekalainen, he was someone who did care about numbers. We learned that from uh, Allison Lucan's article for The Athletic. Um, and that was seen as, and that kind of ties to the point you were just bringing up, Matt, is this idea of he's not going to get in the way of someone who does think that way. I think the real question that, you know, our, that Panera win, uh Matthew Pecora might be asking is, you know, is JD the sort of person to perhaps look into developing an analytics department or, or putting more money towards that. And I feel like I would lean more towards the answer of I'm not sure because he St. Louis was a team that's always been kind of in the middle in terms of, uh, uh, you know, where how much money it has. You know, it wasn't it, never a team that threw around money. Um, and Columbus obviously was operating on a shoestring for, for a lot of its tenure and a lot of JD's time there. Uh, looking at you know the the Rangers now JD is going to have you know a Scrooge McDuckian amount of money and I would be surprised if he didn't set up an analytics department you know because the resources are there but he is an old-school guy in terms of his connections and his history with the game and you know whether or not he sees value in that and I but you know there are a lot of things that I think are worth mentioning like he you know if if he's been watching MSG networks and he's listening to Steve Valaket a little bit I think he, there's a lot of signs pointing to the fact that this is there like the, these things do matter these things are important you don't have to listen to the numbers all the time and in fact if you only listen to the numbers your judgment can get very clouded um, your analysis can get very clouded because you also need to look at what's happening and the most important thing is you need context because the analytics without context is it's not enough like you can't just reduce a player to whatever their you know rating in nhl you know 2020 is going to be you know there's a lot more to hockey than you know this guy is, is good at you know when he's on the ice his team has more shots but what does that mean you know is that an effect of what he does or how he plays you know 
what about his penalty differential? How, how does he fare at zone exits and zone entries? You know, what sort of shots does he take? What is the, the, the competition level he's facing? How good are the players that he's playing with are? And, you know, we have to ask all those questions, and that's why context is important. But looking at this question, I feel like the resources are going to be there for JD. I would be surprised if he doesn't do it, but I'd also kind of be not surprised if he, if he does do it. Like, both ways are not going to be surprising to me. I, w- I would lean towards I want him to do it, obviously. Uh, the question is whether or not he takes advantage of those resources. Uh, and uh, given the way the league is trending, and given maybe some of the things he's learned from uh, Jarmo Kekalainen and, and you know learning things that he's had to learn over the years, uh, I, I think we'll see the Rangers take a step in the right direction. Um, I hope that's what we see, especially because there is work to be done at the NHL and AHL level with Hartford. Uh, but this is one of those questions where it's an important question, um, and really just about how JDC is organizing, you know, the the hockey ops and everything. But like Matt said, it's really what matters more. Maybe is how Jeff Gorton views things, and thus far we've had a sense that he does list those things and just like uh like david quinn definitely does have you know an ear open for analytics and those are both promising things and those are both you know kind of younger guys in terms of uh you know nhl head coaches and executives so there's a lot there a lot to unpack there uh finally guys we have uh fish k jesus um with Rikov signing what should the defense look like um and this is a question that Matt, you and I actually kind of went over in the flagship show. Um, I kind of grilled you about, you know, what the defense should look like. But, Tom, now that you've joined us, Rikov, of course, signed. Uh, We talked about that on the flagship. He is a big guy who could play on the left side. Um, But, you know, just a little while ago, the Rangers made the Adam Fox trade, as you know, Tom. What the hell happens with the Rangers' defense now? So if I'm looking at the defense, um, my immediate answer, uh, although I don't think it's going to happen, Mark Stahl gets bought out. Um, Brady Shea's your number one left-handed defenseman. Then on the, the right side, for right now, you hold on to Kevin Shattenkirk. Um, you see if you can rebuild some of his value so that you can eventually trade him at the deadline at 50%. So the acquiring team gets him for what I call a run plus one. So the rest of the season for the playoffs and then the, the following season. Then you would have some sort of combination, um, having them sort of fight it out through camp with Rykov, uh, Hayek. Um, I think you give Lindgren an opportunity, see what he can do. Um, maybe you hold on to Smith for one more year, although I don't, I don't think they're going to buy out two defenders, so that sort of makes things difficult. Then you would have some sort of combination of Tony D'Angelo, who they should re-sign. I would sort of weigh the costs of of bridging him versus signing him long term because you don't want to get too involved and have the potential for him to regress but there's a lot to, to like what a, what you've seen 
Neil Pionk, I would try and trade because I don't think... I think he's sort of redundant at this point. If you already have Fox, you have D'Angelo, you have Shattenkirk for now, there's really no room for Pionk, an offensive defenseman who stopped scoring and had really bad possession metrics. And then I would also try and see if there's there's a way you can keep Clayson around. Um, I, I think he has some value. He really wasn't given much of an opportunity to, to play this year. And that's just sort of using players that are on the roster. Uh, I definitely think they need to try and find a number one uh, type defenseman, whether it's by trade or um, you know free agency. I know that the Eric Carlson rumors won't go away. I know the Jacob Truba things is something that we've been talking about. But I think you get as rid of as many veterans as you can to really give these youngsters a shot to show what they are. Because ultimately, as the Rangers are rebuilding, they have a lot of young players. You need to give an opportunity to show what they can do. Because if, if they're unable to be at a level um, when the team is contending, then it's better to trade them sooner rather than later. And and this is not to say that you know Ryan Lindgren or Lieber Hayek need to be capable top four defenders next season. But I think you can look at recent examples of, of players and, okay, this is where they were at this point. This is where they were at this point. And see that they're trending in the right direction and it it makes it a lot easier. I think last year we kind of wanted that with D'Angelo and Pionk, but it was generally one or the other and not both concurrently. Um, so it's 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 a it's a very long answer, but if I were to sort of shorten it, you buy out Mark Stahl, you see if Shattenkirk can rebuild his value, you sort of do the same with Smith. But you traded assets for Fox. You want to give him all the opportunity in the world. Rikoff has the European assignment clause only in year two. So you can send him to the minors if you have to. Um, You want to see if Shea can sort of build upon what he was doing towards the end of the season. You have Lindgren and Hayek fight it out. And then you obviously, you have to find that number one overall type, whether it's free agency or via trade. Matt, do you have to, anything to weigh in on? Uh, I, I think that there's a lot of questions. I, I think that at the end of the day, uh, I'm kind of with Tom. I think you do have to give the youngsters a shot. We talked about it on the show, and I've reiterated this point over and over again. I feel like this defense core in particular, it's like that ball of clay, and you've got to let Quinn and the coaching staff mold it into what they believe it, it can be. I'm scared about what he thinks of Pionk. He obviously had a higher opinion of him than, than the fans certainly did. So I think he's kind of the wild card in this scenario. D'Angelo and Shea and Fox are, are absolute locks for the team next year. I think Shattenkirk should be a lock next year as your four as your number four defender in terms of how, what I'm listing one through four so far. I'm not saying he's fourth, but you know you get what I'm saying. Then the final two spots, um, I think it should go to Smith and um and the other kid from Tampa, uh, in the Tampa trade, I can't think of his last name, pronounce it properly. Hayek. Uh, Hayek, thank you. Um, I think that's it. And, God, I'm going to tell you right now, I said on the show, boy, uh, 
losing Clayson as a seventh defender, uh, just somebody who can kind of come in and out of the lineup when you need it. You know, you 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 feel at least somewhat comfortable when he has to play. You're not saying that you feel comfortable him playing 82 games or being in your top four or killing penalties. But if God forbid somebody got hurt and he had to he had to come into the lineup, you can say, all right, I can live with this for now. You know, I, I know what he is, and he doesn't try to do too much, and he doesn't do too little. But uh, yeah, I think uh, like I said before on the other show. The defense, in particular, is the biggest part of this rebuild. I, I know Kako is going to be the big focus because he's the big-time winger that they haven't had for years that, that technically Nash didn't live up to compared to the lofty expectations, right? He's the big-time scoring winger that's supposed to come in and light the world on fire. But really, this team and this rebuild has been centered around the defense. That's where they've gotten all their young all the young players, for the most part, has either been in center or in defense. And now they're starting to see this young defense come together. And I agree with Tom. It's got to be given a chance. I think Mark Stahl's got to go, and I think Pionk's the wild card. Not really sure that Quinn agrees with the fan sentiment, so I actually kind of think he's going to end up in the sixth just because of him. I don't think he should, but I think he's going mm. to because of Quinn. So that's to, that's the that's the thing. I, the question is, is, is Smith going to be in or is Pionk going to be in? And if you had a debate and maybe you put a poll on your Twitter and try to figure it out, I, I, I have a feeling it would be relatively close i wouldn't say i wouldn't say it would win i would say it would be within a 50 to 60 percent the winner i don't think it would be a blowout if you had to choose between the two i think a lot of people would say option c in that case yeah nobody yeah the next yeah the next somebody else but if you had to pick between the two and i think that's what i think seriously i think that's the sixth defender it's either going to be pionk or smith if stall's not there if it's stall then that's a whole other thing i think they should buy out mark stall not shattenkirk i think shattenkirk would be a mistake yeah um uh, I think this is a good uh, off the post. We uh, some it, it was fun having Matt, d- different voice, you know, different take on things. And you know, Tom, of course, thank you for joining us, buddy. Uh, you could follow Tom on Twitter at Tom. What's your Twitter? Tell the people your lovely Twitter. At Tom Urch, Jr. Matt, tell the people you, your Twitter, your beautiful Twitter, your sweet Twitter. It's at Matt F P X P. If you like women's hockey, and you should, because it's good, you'll love my account. Not sure if we're going to have pro women's hockey in North America. That's a whole other can of uh, of weasels there. Um, and on Twitter, you can find me at DigDeepBSB. This was Bantering the Blue Shirts off the post. Next week will probably be me and Joe. Until then, take care of yourselves and enjoy the long weekend that's coming up. Take care. Bye-bye.